Are you done? It cut off a while ago. Like, made me out of breath. Welcome to Married to Who, a podcast where a couple of couples watch Doc 2 for the very first time. This week we're here to talk about The Sea Devils, written by Malcolm Hulk, directed by Michael Bryant, aired February 26th to April 1st, 1972. Before we get started, it is time for everybody's favorite podcast segment, Cody's 60 second plot synopsis. Artie Mark, get set, go! Okay, so here we are. So I guess those ships sinking over at a place off in the sea. Better do something about that. Here comes Mr. Trenchard Man, who is definitely not a bad guy, but uh, we find out that the Master is here. We know who the Master is because we've seen later iterations of him that were also kind of cool. This guy is clearly typecasted for any sort of bad guy. We move forward and suddenly find out that the Sea Devils are actually Silurian things that are underwater and they just want to shoot stuff with their CDs. Uh, they kill a few people, the doctor comes in, he's like, yo, hey, let's be friends, let's stop all this, and, <clears throat> and then he goes over to the jail, I don't know, if the master's there, he's, he's a prisoner, but he's not really a prisoner, and Trencher knows it, but he's trying to fool everybody, and the doctor's like, fuck you, and the master's like, no, fuck you, and then the doctor gets arrested, and then we're back to trying to make peace with the Silurians. They're like, yeah, we're going to make peace. But then some dickbag from Congress comes in. is like, yo, nuke them. And then they throw bombs at the ship. The submarine starts to implode. And just everything starts exploding everywhere. Um, and then they get to the end. And then it's not the master. Lol. Pretty good. <laughs> it's it's yes, six episodes. A solid, a solid 9% of the story. I think you got in there. <laughs> it's it, it, oh, Okay, so. There is like 12 it's fucking storylines, man. Six partners are tough, man. I, I am not faulting you there. <laughs> hey, Terry. What? <laughs> Out of 156 <sighs> stories, where did this fall in the Doctor Who Magazine 50th anniversary poll? Oh, man. Bear in mind, I haven't calculated your guys' scores for the last four podcasts, so I'm just going <laughs> under the assumption that Terry's still in the lead. Oh. oh, I'm definitely losing, so. Oh, for sure. We don't need to worry about that. <laughs> I'm going to go on the better side and say 55. Interesting. Jill, I believe you're still around second place. Oh, there's no chance, but... <laughs> I will say, um, and okay, hold on. I need some info. Where does this fall in the line of master stories? Like, have I feel like that's cheating? But no, I don't mean like in in ranking. I mean like have no, I know. Have they um, seen the master before? Has the audience seen the master before? Yeah, we talked about it last podcast. Or no, we we talked about it when we were playing D&D. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he was definitely in a prior story and he was arrested. That's why he's in jail now. But this is season nine. 
And he shows up in season seven for the first time. Okay, then I'm going to go with, what did Terry say? I said 55. I'm going to go with 42. Oh. Cody? Well, it's kind of cheating to ask us in the middle when, like, we haven't seen any other stories around this doctor. Well, you haven't. I asked you the first episode where that fell. You hadn't watched any of the other 155. (laughs) True, but I knew that one was shit. Uh, But this one seemed like amazing, comparably. Like, Hartnell sucks. That being said, I'll go 41. (laughs) You got to remember Doctor Who fans, though. They're they're going to... uh... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Fetishize some of that older stuff? Right, okay. 48. <laughs> uh, Jill? No, sorry, Alex, you're next. Jill, you're... Oh, no, Jill already went, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know, Alex. did I? <laughs> <laughs> the recording will tell. I will say 38, because everyone loves the James Bond doctor. Don't know if that's true. <laughs> Sam? I'll say 40. So this is pretty crazy because I would have thought this was quite a bit lower just because of you know, being in fandom and hearing how people talk about this story. I would have thought it was in the hundreds. It's number 60. Oh. Ooh, so once off. again, once again, Terry wins by a ton. Oh. <laughs> I wanted to say 72, but I, I wasn't going to let my heart let me <laughs> my, vote this time. It's not fair. My first guess was going to be 101. And I was like, oh, yeah. this would be better. <laughs> That's where I would have guessed if I was playing. My instinct was 62, so I shouldn't have asked questions. I should have just said a number. Should have just said it. Always. Hey, Cody. Hey, Jake. What'd you think of this one? Look at me, Jake. Look I'm at looking. the picture of me that you keep on your desk. It's on my ceiling, but go ahead. (laughs) This is infinitely better than everything we just watched. I'm not going back. (laughs) Fuck you. We're done with Hartnell. We're now three, number three doctors. For sure. This episode was fantastic. You mean three sure. This series of way too many fucking episodes (laughs) was fantastic. There are, in in this third doctor's run, there are a lot of six-parters that don't need to be six parts. Uh, all right. But remember there's what also I... a lot of the Navy being like, hey, use all our toys. So <laughs> Right? That was yeah. insane. That was so cool. I want to go back to Terry's. That was so cool. That was the most unenthusiastic. That was so cool. I've ever heard. <laughs> and I want you to clip that oh, I, and use it I all the time. I wrote a script for him so he stops rambling on about <laughs> how shitty looks. It was great. That was so cool. That was so cool. That was so cool. That was so cool. <laughs> Can you please clip that? Hey, Alex. Yeah. Is John Pertwee your favorite doctor? I think he is. Because, like, every time I watch it, I'm just, I'm just smiling the whole time. He's a lot of fun. He's so excited he's yelling. I'm not what, yelling. What would <laughs> you think of this story? This story was great. We, I would we argue... haven't watched it for Brothers, right? This is your no, first time? No, this is the first time, yeah. I would argue uh, this is like a, like two episodes in one. Like the three episodes, three episodes was like a really good split because you didn't really see the the oh fuck the sea or devils. two episodes in six. What? 
I said, or two episodes and six. Two stories, three episodes apiece. <laughs> I don't remember what I said. Anyway, the recording will tell. <laughs> but yeah, it, like, it was just a good separation, I felt, and it like kept flowing. I didn't like the first three episodes as much as the last three episodes because we actually had sure. like aliens. Aliens. But shouldn't that be how it is? Like, shouldn't there be a constant building? Yeah. Like, I feel like so many of the 60s episodes, I'm way more into the first half than the second. Hmm. Yeah. So far, of the ones we've done. I I have said that I, I do like Classic Who for the way that they set up forever. Like, it's just a forever uphill, <laughs> like, roller coaster and clicking. Five cliffhangers is yeah. so hard to do. <laughs> yeah. Jill, how about you? I also liked it. Um, I agree with Alex where there's kind of two stories, like, feels like two main story arcs going on. I liked the build. Uh, I definitely didn't pick up on everything because there was a lot going on. Uh, but I liked the, um, I liked this doctor. Like Cody said, like, I was just getting used to Hartnell and then I, like, I thought that was just going to be the norm and then jumping into, Whatever this guy's name is. He's like, yeah, I don't ever want to go back. <laughs> uh, um, John Pertwee is his name. I know I'm just listing stuff now, but also I love the master. So I will <laughs> yes. get to all of those points, but I liked it a lot. Delgado. You'll be hard pressed to find Doctor Who fans who've seen all of Doctor Who um, who wouldn't put Delgado as their favorite master. He's amazing. He is. And. He he shows up in season eight, the first episode, and they recently released that season on Blu-ray with a bunch of extras. And one of them is this segment they do on all of them called Behind the Couch, where they get a bunch of former and current cast members and like directors and producers to like sit down and watch the whole story. And they're really fun. So like Katie Manning does all of them because she's great. But Sasha Dewan, our current master watches Roger Delgado for the first time and is like blown away. And it's so much fun to watch him see Delgado's master and just be like, he's doing it so much differently than I do. Like he's constantly <laughs> amazed by how still Delgado is. And at this point we're in Delgado's like fifth or sixth or even maybe even more story. So he's kind of hammering it up a little bit more, but when he first starts, which we'll get to eventually He's very controlled and still and evil, and it's so much different from the masters we get in the 21st century. Jake said eventually, like, we're not just episode skipping now. <laughs> oh, you naive little right. boy. We we watch what we want to watch. This is freedom. <laughs> Sam, what'd you think? Um, It's too long. <laughs> I just it's too long it's good it's just too long I was running out of time today because I was meeting Jill and her sister for trivia and I still need to watch the last episode and I watch I have the DVD for it so I popped that in because I was going to watch some of the special features I didn't get to but I watched the last episode at 1.5 speed it's perfect <laughs> it's perfect it was great I should have done that when Pertwee's running across the beach, but it's at 1.5 speed, it's so funny because <laughs> he runs so weird anyway. The thing that stood out most to me in the whole story was those awesome boats that they had. Mm-hmm. I 
was so amped about them. You're talking the battleships? <laughs> well, this is... The, oh, the, hovercraft. the hovercraft. Yeah. The hovercraft. They're so yeah. cool. Not, not the first time we've had a giant hovercraft in Doctor Who. You guys will see one day. But uh, they. this is a period of time... So, you guys don't know this yet, but the Doctor is stuck on Earth. He's been exiled. And so he's had the knowledge of how to fly his TARDIS, like, taken away from him. And he's stuck on Earth. So he's trying to get the Master's TARDIS because he thinks that he can, like, use it for parts and figure out how to get his TARDIS to go. Uh, and he... Or during during this time, there's a lot of these, like, base under siege military stories because that's just what was big in the 70s. And it really ended up saving Doctor Who. They were so close to cancellation in the late 60s. And this story is like the epitome of that where like they they often get a lot of assistance from local military uh they have a lot of stunt performers doing crazy shit and there's quite a few times in this one you'll see um certain men dressed up in katie manning's clothes so that they can ride motorcycles <laughs> or climb up ladders but uh lo lots of stunts lots of fun stuff terry what'd you think i really enjoyed this story um I thought it was great. Sometimes there was some corniness of like the run onto the beach and to your right, there's a minefield to your left are these soldiers in front of you. Is it's like, what is this? Gen <laughs> I love that part because like the soldiers have their guns on them. So like, well, I guess we have to go to the minefield and they're just like slowly walking through the minefield. And well, the soldiers right? are just like, so do we just watch them? I guess. Or um, but yeah. And, yeah, it was just a fun story all around. There was adventure in everyone. There was never just like a character just standing there doing nothing. They all had like a purpose and a drive to their characters. So that was great. Mm -hmm. Well, Perry is the action doctor. He's the James Bond doctor. Uh, he loves a vehicle, any kind of vehicle you get to, into. You know when they're on those jet skis, he's, it's clearly John Pertwee and a man not looking at the camera because it's not Roger Delgado because Roger Delgado's a very serious theater actor who's like, this is what stuntmen are for. There's no fucking way I'm getting on one of those things. Well, wasn't he in that floating suit at the end? He in was. The yeah. Well, he just had to lay in the water in a life jacket. Like Those looked cumbersome, like super right? uncomfortable. Like, hey, get a life jacket and lay in the water. Also, uh, wrap your or like zip yourself in this bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? No, thank you. Jake, what did you think of it? Uh, I loved it. I haven't seen it in a really long time. It's Joe Grant's my favorite companion. Um, Delgado's my favorite master, and it was just a fun fucking run around. I I love seeing Joe Grant jump in the hovercraft and being like, I got this while some army dudes shooting sea devils on the beach. Like, who? how's that not fun? I had a good time. I watched it all today, all in one. Or two little sittings, but it was great. I think Joe is like the best companion we've seen so far because she just does work. Like, she knows what mm -hmm. to do. She goes and gets the doctor out of prison. Like, it's, she's just great. I did feel a little bit of the like relationshipy thing that we really haven't gotten yet in Hartnell and that we complained a lot about in New Who. Is that real? Are you talking romance? Yeah. No. I I think it's more of like a 
kind of like a professor protege kind of thing. Like, he's very sweet on Joe, but I don't think he's really sexual in any way. Oh, okay. But he, they, they do, like, share smiles and stuff, but I think that's more just, um... Just out of just a like a connection and a closeness and how off, how much time they spend together, and there there'll be a lot of times where she's because this is the unit years where because they're stuck on Earth he works for unit and so we see a lot of the unit soldiers they come back uh, and are in a bunch of episodes and you'll see stories where she's like oh I'm going out with Captain Yates tonight and he's like okay cool have fun like he he doesn't really consider that way but they are very close. And when when she leaves, it's one of the sadder companion departures because she's also on for a long time. I think she does three full seasons. And, wow. and this is also something we haven't seen in the 60s and we won't is the first or the companion before her is a one off. But through Pertwee's whole tenure, he's just a one companion the whole five years that he's the doctor. And I don't mean the same one, but one at a time. So he has he has three different companions, but only one on the TARDIS at a time. Which with Hartnell, we're, we're sitting at three. And that'll kind of be two or three for almost every Doctor. Apart from Hartnell and like a part of Tom Baker's run. And then the Seventh Doctor's run. But there's a it's it's a different dynamic, and I think in a story like this where there's so much going on, I think it I appreciated it a lot that there was just one companion, but also a companion that's like super capable and like a part of the story. Yes. Stuff. <laughs> Did we go through everybody? Yeah. Okay. Uh. I understand why the Silurian mask is the way it is, mm -hmm. but I fucking hate the eyes. <laughs> they look like turtles with feathers. <laughs> right? Yeah, just somebody was like, slam sea monster on turtles, and there you go. It's a Silurian. <laughs> but they did so much like close work with the eyes, and I'm like, you fucking painted that on with a crayon, didn't you? But like, it needed to be waterproof, right? Or, like, water resistance so they could do that dumb scene that they shot once and then played eight different times. So many times. <laughs> and one of the dudes in there, I'm pretty sure, uh, was, like, holding his mask up out of the water and not actually standing up. <laughs> oh, because he was drowning, because there's no way water flows out of those masks well. <laughs> yeah, how do they and breathe his, in those masks? How do they breathe? He probably got caught on a rock or something. It was like, uh oh It just, that entire scene seemed like a real struggle for everybody involved. <laughs> so the reason we're watching this out of order is because this coming Sunday, as we record, last Sunday as you listen to this, we're getting Jody's penultimate story, which is going to be a Sea Devil story. I think it's called Legend of the Sea Devils. And I really do like this redesign they did. I just posted a picture in our Discord. Because it looks like the ones from this story, but just like 20% better. Like, it's not wildly awesome, but it it looks like if they had... 500% more money but still 
<laughs> this JKS idea, this is what it would look like. That's kind yeah. of interesting because they kept the uh, like the fishnet. Is <laughs> you can see it there. Yeah, yeah. I was. I really like. I was wondering while watching this today. It, was that supposed to be like a net or like chain mail or a mixture? Like I didn't understand what they were wearing. Well, allow well, me well. to read a fun fact that I. Oh, if, please do because I didn't me, look up anything. Give me the fun fact song there, Alex. Fun, 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 fun fact. Okay, thank you, Alex. Michael <laughs> E. Bryant recalled that there was a huge discussion on location about how the sea devils couldn't be naked. I disagree. But anyway, so costume designer Maggie... Excuse me? (laughs) So costume designer Maggie Fletcher, bless her heart, had to rush out and buy 500 yards of fishing net. Rush out. So, like, the costume was just a... Oh, fuck. And so they just bought fishing net, because I'm sure it was available. And I mean, they come from the sea, so why not? Yeah. But Uh, why couldn't um, they be naked? And then their... The frill on the head... Like, I love that that's still, like, lacy as well. Like, it's not a solid skin piece in there either. Mm-hmm. We get to see the sonic screwdriver happen for the first time in Old Who. <gasps> yeah. Ooh, yeah. So that'll get introduced in the second Doctor when we get there. It's so um, ghetto. The third Doctor doesn't <laughs> use it a ton. But really? But it, it is, like, this is the one time I remember him using it to get out of a like jail like they're captured by the sea devils at one point him and the master and he's like oh i'll just open the door with my sonic screwdriver that never happens the third doctor sits in jail cells constantly oh <laughs> and, and the times he decides to use the sonic is i i don't understand but this time and the old school sonics they use them vertically but they didn't point them like their guns and that was like a choice because they're not supposed to be it's like the men in black version yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he used it in like three different episodes. He used the shit out of that thing. And it with the mines, it like made sense. He was detecting the mines and then it drew the sea devils to him because it was sound and they kind of run off sound. So like it was it was neat. And then he exploded the mines with it too. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And we could see the mechanism of the screwdriver, i.e. Pertwee just pushing a little spring thing up and down. <laughs> It was a button. Yeah, and I'm sure it's not really visible in 180p. <laughs> but here we are in the future. With the our future. pixels. Pertwee is like MacGruber, man. <laughs> He's, He's the, the MacGruber doctor. Yes, so there good. are multiple points in this where he has to like... Like, I love when him and Joe are trapped in a room and a sea devil is coming. And so he like electrifies the door. And he is MacGruber. Like, he's running around and just grabbing shit and, like, kind of just spur of the moment. And it, we talk about it in New Who when it happens, but it's so rare that, like, we really like when the Doctor gets to just be, like, a scientist. Yeah. That's so... That is why I just dislike Hartnell and every episode <laughs> is because he's just a guy who's in a place and shit's happening and he's just usually just barely making it through, you know? And it just kind of sucks. But yeah, here we have Pertwee, who's like, I have a plan. We're going to do this, this, and this. And, you know, maybe it'll work. That is the Doctor-esque shit that I love to see. It was beautiful. I am overjoyed that you're happy. That was so cool. 
because now we have something to look forward to in about three years when we make it to the third doctor boy do i have news for you <laughs> i will see you in three years when i rejoin this fucking podcast i, I think you'll really love the second doctor okay because if pertwee's my boy like what's the similarity between pertwee and second doctor okay the way you say pertwee <laughs> i cannot pertwee, pertwee. I listened today to a podcast I don't normally listen to because I just Googled or I put into Spotify like Sea Devils, Doctor Who. And there's an American podcast and they all pronounce Pertwee exactly how you just did. Oh, geez. Wait, so how is it pronounced? You just no T all we? Pertwee. 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 I, that's what I've been saying. Pertwee. The T goes in the first syllable, not Pertwee. the second syllable. Oh. It's not Pertwee, it's Pertwee. <laughs> it's B-dubs all over again. Pertwee. <laughs> I edited right? out so, that okay. B-dubs conversation, so we, we can't leave this in there. Oh, bummer. <laughs> Inside jokes. What else was cool? Uh, the master has a face only a mother could love. They called the master fat at the very beginning. <laughs> Immediately fat shaming. I was so offended by that. He's, he's in prison in a room and they're like, ah, tubby bitch. I was like, did that actor gain weight between the last no. time he was there? The actor, Roger Delgado, was very self-conscious about his weight and almost, like, there's reports that he may have had, like, an eating disorder because he was so, like, image conscious. I did like the doctor, the master's look, though. Like, just hit the two white spots in his beard and everything. It just made him look, it reminded me of, like, Cruella de Vil, of just how evil but put together oh, he was. Yeah. He His was sharp. Perfect. Yeah, he's got that big old hook nose that he's just a tubby pile of shit. Yeah. Who came first? Was it was it Delgado's master or was it Ra's al Ghul in the comics? Because that's what he oh. reminds me of. Wait, Ra's al Ghul from Batman? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. He does look a lot like Ra's al Ghul, doesn't he? Yeah. He kind of looks like Doctor Strange too. That too. That and... look is just a thing. <laughs> If you watch Venture Brothers. They first appeared at the same time. Oh. Like, the first appearance of Ra's al Ghul was in Batman 232, which, looking at pictures, he didn't have that goatee, so... Oh, okay. But it, that was June 1971, and 1971 is the first time the Master appeared. Yo. Oh. Has the Master always been able to use hypnotism? Yes. Oh, yeah, okay. that was... That so I wasn't so sure about that, right? Because the first time he tried it, he just failed, right? Well, because but they those were soldiers trained are trained, it. yeah. So again, this is like the master's fifth or sixth story. But even like when John Sim first shows up, like he became prime minister in New Who by using hypnosis and the subwave network or the uh, the archangel network of the satellites to influence the whole of the voting population. So much so that uh, John Sims's wife went crazy and killed him, right? Like, that was yeah. her whole arc? Yeah. Yeah, and then... Um, what? Yeah, it just kind of becomes a thing. And in the very first Delgado scene in his first story, which we'll get to one day, he just arrives, and there's, like, a man that he runs into, and he just goes, I am the master, and hypnotizes him immediately. It's mm -hmm. so good. <laughs> 
I was very like, I was internally frustrated when Captain Where's My Breakfast fucking showed up. <laughs> oh god, that, that was dude. such yeah. good characterization. Oh. <laughs> I was trying to think of who you're talking about, but yeah, that guy is eating one hundred percent. We need of the time. a sniveling bureaucrat to show up who's like gotten his first assignment that's way above his station and he's taking it way too seriously and the first woman he sees he's like can i get breakfast oh it's so good as like a device to immediately make you hate that man yeah to be like just just in case him ordering a nuke to kill the sea devils isn't enough like watch (laughs) watch him just order breakfast (laughs) (laughs) that dude put four scoops of of uh sugar sugar in his, in his coffee yeah. oh, was it was a tea yeah, it was, tea, yeah we were talking about that too oh, when it came up. man <laughs> easy buddy clearly he's one of those like fart gas alien things oh that'd <laughs> be cool is that what yeah oh or no who is the alien the alien from men in black that kept putting sugar in his shit <laughs> Ed, oh a bugger yeah suits? bug He's not actually putting sugar in his tea. He's just making sugar water. <laughs> yeah, that was wild. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, please blow them up, sir. Our people are there. Yeah, blow them up too. Fuck them. Okay, hear me out on the sea monster because I love, I loved a lot of things sea about. Devil. Yeah, same thing. You know what I meant. Um, I loved a lot of things about the story. I liked the sea devils, but mm-hmm. what is their thing? Like, they're just a sea creature with costumes, but also they can breathe? Yeah, what? well, they're like, the same as the Silurians. They, they're they just a, the underwater version of the Silurians. They're a cousin species. They lived here for, you know, hundreds of millions of years ago, and now they're back, and they want to take the planet back. Yeah. So they... they're, and they're in... The United, or they're in on Earth. Yeah, yes. all over the place. They have thousands of colonies spread around the world. So they're yeah. not an alien. They're not a monster. Right. They're just a being. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah they they just did like mention the Celerians. Yeah, they did mention that um, when the doctor was talking to him, he's like, "Yeah, the apes that you left grew up and now rule this world." Yeah, and so like it was an evolution and so thing. At this point, we've had. A Silurian story in the Third Doctor's era, the first Silurian story. We might have had a second one, but I don't think so. We all have watched in New Who the two-part Silurian story with Matt Smith's Doctor, where they basically cover all the same ground. Introduce the Silurians. This is what they were. They're from Earth. They're they have advanced technology, but they they thought that there was a world-ending event coming, so they put themselves into hibernation for millions of years until the Earth would be habitable again. And they just, uh, they got it wrong. The Earth-ending um, event that they thought was going to happen was the moon forming around the Earth. And the giant they, uh, moth egg? Yeah, the, the big egg that surrounds us. <laughs> and so they they... They came, They were coming too because in this case, like in uh, the Silurian story we watched, there was a drill that activated their defenses because they were drilling into the earth. And in this case, it's uh, I don't even know what the hell it was. Why? Why they woke up? If it was just the master waking the master. Them up because you knew they're there. 
Yeah, and his well, tweedly D. Did the master like the master knew that they were there, but I don't think he was the reason they woke up. Like he just noticed the ships disappearing, right? Yeah. Did they ever say why they woke up? Like why just this no, one? Not really. I like, don't it remember. It starts anything. with them having already woken up, and they're just taking out ships in this um, location. I'm sure Someone's yelling into their phone right now, screaming at us. <laughs> but, uh, I wonder if it was because, um, like, their device to wake them up had broken. So I wonder yeah. if it started and then they needed someone to fix their device. That's what the master was offering, right? Yeah, the master was trying to fix their hibernation station to wake them all up. I'm wondering if they woke up, couldn't get it fixed, and then they started stealing boats to try to find parts to fix the hibernation thing themselves and they just couldn't do it right i I don't think they're stealing boats i think they're just killing fools oh okay yeah i i do like that this starts out as like a master story like oh they're visiting the master the master's gonna do something but then immediately the doctor's like oh i just came here because of this missing boat thing and then the master weaves himself into the story and you know we'll We'll hear some complaints later about how the sea devils aren't really used that much, but I don't think they need to be. And we talk about this all the time, how after a certain point, Dalek stories are really just Davros stories and Cybermen stories tend to be master stories. And once you've got a monster, like they can just be monsters and you really need someone else that's kind of controlling everything that you can focus your your fight on. Yeah. And in this case, I think it worked really well, especially in those last two stories where it's like the military fighting <laughs> the sea devils. Like if you're a seven year old in 1973, whenever this was that that shit's super cool. Watching all these military guys just get off this hoverboard and start blasting sea devils. I thought it was really cool watching it now, however old I am. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was it was sick. And then just the shots of them like launching live rounds into the ocean to blow it up to get the shot like that was just so cool oh also the what was it the diving tank that the doctor climbed into that was watching super that cool. whole scene that go down it's like yeah yeah holy crap but the one thing i wondered about is they're like oh the doctor's gonna go by himself so the guy's like oh so i assume you're you're dive trained as well and it's like do you need training to sit in a pod that gets lowered into the water like once you're in there there's nothing you can do <laughs> you're just either this thing malfunctions and fills with water or everything's fine <laughs> maybe you can swim to the outside and there's like a hose attachment <laughs> maybe <laughs> i really appreciated when you're you know trying to kill time in a six-parter the the three minutes of them lowering that thing into the water, and then the three minutes of them bringing it up out of the water. Twice. That was <laughs> the really, cliffhanger. Really killing time. So they, they showed it twice because it was the cliffhanger, and then and then the start <laughs> yeah. of the next episode. Same with the freaking sword fight that they showed twice. Yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. The whole thing. <laughs> what does Pertwee say when he karate chops somebody? <laughs> Real question. Oh, That's it's true. Uh, isn't it Aikido or something? He says Aikido. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because oh. he knows Venusian Aikido, and so when he does a move, he has to yell Aikido. So that would be Aikido. the similar. That would be the same thing as like a human going karate and like hitting someone. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, I can't wait till we get to the seventies. 
It'll be fun. Boy, do I have news for you. <laughs> We're past the 70s. But I'll, like, I love every every decade of Doctor Who for different reasons. And I just this particular couple of years of John Pertwee's run where they're stuck on Earth and they have like all this military access and all these stunt performers is batshit. But when it's every story for a couple of years, it gets... It gets old pretty fast. Yeah, it's really like I'm really excited to see how every different doctor approaches it because there, we have so many huge personalities. Like Pertwee is so different. Stop saying that. Pertwee is so different from Hartnell. Oh god, that one was really bad. Pertwee, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. We'll catch anyway. this later. It's okay. Oh anyway. shit! I, I really like. Oh, sorry. sorry yeah, I just was scrolling through the wiki, and the last image they show is the last image of the episode where, like, they it's six parts, and somehow they rush the last episode so fast. Like when the Doctor and the Master are in the cell on the Sea Devil base, and the Doctor's like. Uh, oh, I've set this thing to explode in 10 minutes. And Master's like, well, we're going to die. And he's like, well, un- unless we escape, smash cut to them having escaped. <laughs> and they're just like on the water. And then, you know, they get to the beach and the Master psychs everyone out and steals the, uh, what are they called? The hovercraft. And it just zoom fast zoom in on Pertwee's face and end of story. <laughs> yeah like i'm so used to getting like that 25 seconds in the tardis as they're leaving and that just does not happen here at all it's just master's gone boom end i kind of really liked their uh camaraderie the master and the doctor too like yeah. when uh the master was trying to build his communication device or whatever for it and the doctor just jumps in and is like, oh, yeah, this is so simple. Mm-hmm. And, like, just makes it. Like, he sees a puzzle and is like, I love it. And doesn't care who's he's helping with. And I thought yeah, that was there, so fun. There is a little run of, like, a handful of stories where the master, like, like this, like, implements, like, the Cyberman or some monster to exact his plan. And then he gets in over his head and they run amok and he needs the doctor's help. And all those scenes where they work together are great. Always. Even in, even in New Who. I did like the Master throughout the story. Um, I liked that it didn't feel... Like, of course he had his plan. But it didn't feel like against the Doctor. Like, they're just doing different things. <laughs> his plan was to kill all of humanity because the Doctor right. loves them so much. <laughs> okay, well... <laughs> fine. But... But also, like, he's pissed. Like, he's been doing other things for various reasons, and the Doctor keeps stopping him. So he's like, this fucking guy. Like, he's just <laughs> mad at him. So at this point, do we know that they're from Gallifrey? Um, We get little bits here and there. I, I think they've said Gallifrey at this point. I think the second Doctor ends up saying it. Maybe not. Do we know that but they're a uh, different race? Yes, for sure. That, that I think we've passed that in the first Doctor, where they're definitely from a different place. Um, oh, but yeah. we, I think this is the first time where he 
says that they grew up together and he said he he has the line you could almost say we went to school together what the fuck does that mean <laughs> like you did or you didn't like are, are you just well, saying like we don't really have school the way you would think of school so that's could, what i took it as right okay <laughs> but it's just the, <laughs> the weirdest sentence he's keeping it ambiguous for the future writers yeah you could almost say that you but almost. then in the future, they just flat out in New Who, they're just flat out like, yeah, we were just cool together. We were friends. Yo, we stared into the <laughs> void. Big bros. Touching peepees. Right. You know. He went crazy <laughs> and I ran away. <laughs> and they have like a really fun dynamic because they don't get along, but they do get along. It's just kind of yeah. interesting. And they, they were really close in real life. And um, there, there are a lot of people that'll say that we left the show after Delgado died. Uh, Delgado died in a car crash, um, like in the seventies, like not too long after this. And pe- people say that Pertwee left the show because he didn't want to keep doing it without Delgado. But I believe he had announced he was leaving before Delgado died, so I don't know if that's accurate. But they they were really good friends, and Pertwee really liked the creation of the Master as a foil, especially because. When these these first few Pertwee seasons where they're stuck on Earth, uh, Terrence Dix, the script editor at the time, script editor on this, would always say there's only like so many stories you can tell. Like either it's an alien invasion or like um, an invasion from without or an invasion from within or science run amok. That's like all you can do. And so like this is an invasion from within science run amok like some scientist creates a robot and ends up killing everybody like that happens all the time (laughs) and they're creating what they always refer to as the moriarty to to the dr sherlock holmes is uh a way to kind of be able to tell those stories through a different lens and it was really important to the success of 70s doctor who Thanks for that monologue, Jake. <laughs> but again, like at the end of the 60s, Doctor Who was really close to being canceled. They got one one year to kind of turn it around, and they really did. And Pertwee's a big part of that. And we'll talk about it a whole bunch later on. Pertwee is a big part of that. He did it. Because he turned me around, man. Oh, yeah? <laughs> then what did he do? Uh, You know, Terrence Dix or whatever. <laughs> Thanks for, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, <laughs> now that we lost you. We've talked, we've talked a lot about Pertwee and Delgado. I want to talk about Katie Manning, Joe Grant, my Bangin'. favorite companion. Confirmed. Banging. I need some love. Yeah. Uh, Jake? Yeah. She's banging. Does she have well, a jacket, though? Yeah. Dude, when she's they did got the, the Donna, jacket. Oh, but she's got that purse. Ugh. She did the Donna thing before Donna did the Donna thing. That makes me happy because that means Donna has nothing now. Was that a gross <laughs> purse oh, oh, or like, a nice purse? Like the purse? conversation through the windows that we're talking yeah, about. Oh That's my exactly gosh, it. yes. I it was ideal. <laughs> but I love how the doctor's just like, all right, like big smile, like gotcha. I totally understood everything you said. <laughs> Easy peasy. But you guys don't know this, but she is a unit employee like she i don't know if soldier is the right word but she works for unit and is assigned to the doctor and like her expertise is picking locks <laughs> so she does that a whole bunch i was gonna say she's very roguish just like sneaky sneaky everywhere well yeah and you know i mentioned listening to a podcast i've never listened to before today and they bring up that 
they didn't really like Joe in the previous stories they'd seen of her. And in this one, she gets to do a lot more. And I don't really have that memory of her. I think she gets to do a lot in a lot of the stories. But in this one, like, you know, she's kind of hanging on the doctor when they're together. But when she's alone, she's fucking, you know, take charge where to go, saves the doctor multiple times. Yeah, she really seemed capable in this series. I was excited to see it. I love her just like turning into a table behind that guard so that the doctor could push him over. So, <laughs> so just little ridiculous. things like that where you're like, oh, these two just know each other a hundred percent. And every combat scene was just memey and bullshit. The sword fight was worth a solid chuckle. <laughs> well, the doctor eating a sandwich while having a sword fight. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Did, the I, sandwich thing was like a whole running gig for this yeah, whole right? story. Like somebody... British people love sandwiches. Somebody brought in <laughs> the sandwiches for Joe, and the doctor grabs was like, yeah, these are the wrong sandwiches. No, she, he was and, like, it's not time to eat. And then he ate it yeah. and offered it to everyone but her. What a chortle. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Good old sexism. Hilarious. <laughs> Speaking uh, of those sandwiches, oh, go ahead, Terry. Go ahead. I was going to say, with that fighting, it almost seemed like a couple of the guards have never shot a gun before. Because <laughs> oh, no. there, was, there was one guard that, like, when you shoot a gun, there's like the kickback. Well, he looked like he was throwing the bullets out oh, of his gun. Yeah, that's a that's just a TV and movie thing from the era. Everybody did that. They were throwing oh. bullets at people. It was it was like it was like they were waggling the the bullets yeah. out. Yeah, and you would you would do that in plays when there's no like you're not actually firing anything. Mm-hmm. But. Like they, this gun does have a flash. Like you can see it on camera. It's not an after effect, and so you don't need to do that. <laughs> and I'm sure they had one take. They're like, "Fuck it, it's fine." <laughs> I think you could say that about a lot of scenes. Is the one take? Fuck it, and fine. <laughs> oh jeez. But it's it's funny because so many soldiers are shooting at the sea devils. At, you're eventually thinking like oh, their armor or whatever they're wearing makes them impervious to bullets. But then when um, the prison uh, warden or whatever, the colonel, mm-hmm. when he pulls out his six-shooter, he, like, downs one easily. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, oh, you guys are just all awful. Yeah. <laughs> the good trenching. But I, I'm still undecided if he died, like, a hero or a villain. So in the his Colonel? eyes, he was yeah. trying to find. Uh, he was trying to find people. He was never hypnotized. Yeah, it was like he was just lied to him. Yeah, the master just used his like desire to save the country against it, like convinced him that there was this enemy, oh. and he couldn't trust anybody. I said that to Jill when we were watching it. I was like, "Ooh, topical!" And she's like, "What?" Is like using patriotism to over or to <laughs> yes. to undermine oh. you. Yes, na- nationalism is always <laughs> dangerous. Yeah. I did like the doctor uh, putting blindfolded. <laughs> yeah, that was really swagger. funny. No one's around. He's just being a prick. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was, was going to show me how awesome I am. It would have been better if they didn't have to jump cut it. True. Like half per tweet. Do- per Hurt we Hurt do we. it. Hey. The T is in the first syllable. He's gonna write a couple of times. 
Pertwee. Uh, they didn't have what's his first name? John. John. They didn't have John do it in one take. I, they should have shot that scene twenty eight thousand times until he got it <laughs> to up that swagger factor. Get a shift on. Who's speaking Terry. of John? Oh, sorry. No, you you talk. I was just gonna ask you. Like, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the outfits. <gasps> I was He's just a magician. Say that. He's oh. a magician. Yes, yeah. I loved his cape. They say that. Uh, 12 is a magician. 12 is not a magician. <laughs> 3 is a magician. So in, I'm glad in, you brought up 12. I have a question for you later. In Pertwee's first story, he, like Matt Smith, steals his outfit from a hospital. But, uh, and, and this is the last story where he wears this outfit. He, no! he has He has different versions of the same theme, like the frilly shirts and the cape, but he it changes colors and uh, fabrics. And so like it, it, he mixes and matches, he, but up until this point, it was kind of always the same thing. Okay. Cause I was Not wondering always, about but... that too. Cause in this entire story, the doctor switches between two different types of like under jackets, like the capelet is still there, but like the under jacket, it goes from the, the like black velvet. I love that you said capelet. Like it, <laughs> it makes me love and hate you so much. <laughs> But no, he has like the the crushed velvet um, suit jacket with the white frilly dress shirt. But then in another scene, he's wearing a simple like black linen jacket with frogs on the front. And I was like, when did he change outfits? Like no one else in this entire story has changed outfits. No, at some point, like uh, Joe takes his like outerwear from him. No, it would. I mean, yeah, she'll do that. But like his entire top changed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like it caught me off guard and I was like, hold up. When did this happen? And like, he's the only one who's changing. Joe was in the same white jumper with Brown. Was it Brown or purple? Anyway, pockets on her, but it matched her purse. But that I, purse, I tell you what she her lost butt looked that like, purse that's about it. at some point, <laughs> which I was happy for because she was just struggling with that thing. Um, but I loved like seeing Joe and the doctor next to each other because they're like, he's all in black and she's all in white. And it was just this fun, like, like opposites attract type of yeah. vignette that was going on with those two. And I loved and, it. Uh, the size difference between them is a big thing. Like it, when they were casting that character there, they had brought, they had narrowed it down to three people and they were all like, very beautiful, already established TV stars. And Pertweed said no to all of them because he wanted someone very small to make him seem big and imposing. And so they brought uh, Joe or uh, Katie Manning in. He's like, yep, this is it. She's mm-hmm. minuscule. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and then just that his his robe capelet thing is just like for all of his actions and stuff, it really accentuates all of his movements. So it makes him that much more oh, yeah. wild when he fights. Yeah. And it, it's all on purpose. And for exactly that, mm-hmm. just, just when you said that wild, when he fights the image that flashed in my head was him throwing himself onto the barbed wire so that Joe could walk across. <laughs> That was hilarious. The that weirdest fucking thing. Was so awkward. <laughs> Cody's like, what is he doing? 
I think he's being gentlemanly. <laughs> well, the, the second time, Joe doesn't want to step on him because it's a close-up, and so she grabs a big handful of barbed wire to hold herself up while she walks across. But I so, love that scene. So do you guys agree that uh, Capaldi's uh, wardrobe in his run was not kind of an homage to Pertwee? Yeah, it kind of was. I kind of see it. But he was the one who had like the inside out jacket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Swap sides. Yeah. Yeah. Capaldi's outfit was an homage to 60s punk. And like the red lining was maybe an homage to Pertwee. I was thinking specifically the crushed velvet jacket with the frilly cuffs. Well, that that's why I say that um, the Ruth doctor is like the Pertwee doctor of the 21st century. Yeah, I can like, see that. She, she's the big badass like action hero, and she's got the big frilly uh, shirt and the jacket, yeah. and I think she's more Pertwee than anybody. Hey, you guys want some tweets? Sure, yeah. Give me some tweets. <laughs> Hold on, I'll, I'll look through some uh, fun facts really quick, see if I see anything. Oh, I really like this one, actually. So, in Doctor Who, we get the phrase reverse the polarity of the neutron flow a lot. And is attributed to the third Doctor. Because whenever they had to say some, like, sciencey wincey thing, they would just say, oh, I reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. And the third Doctor does say it a lot. But this is one of only two times that he says the entire sentence completely. I reverse the polarity of the neutron flow. And, uh, the most recent time we've seen it is, uh... I think Clara, when her and the doctor have that thing that's going to erase his memory of her, and he's like, what'd you do? And she goes, what do you think? I reversed the polarity of the neutron flow. <laughs> I think she just says I reverse the polarity, but it's something they bring up a lot. Um, no, no. Oh, this is something we brought up a lot. Uh, this is one of only 11 televised stories in the history of Doctor Who to not feature the TARDIS at all. Okay, oh. but there were doors that were TARDIS colored. <laughs> they had the paint laying around. <laughs> and there's only one so far that was before this one, which is a missing one that we won't end up watching. Okay, let's look at some tweets. Okay, James at James Swift says, I was really excited to get to this episode, but I found it just a little too long. Yep. Agreed. <laughs> and then BT Flippity Gigget at your cool 91? Is that what it is? Yep. Yeah. Sam, you want to say hi? Good evening, curator. <laughs> Close enough. I got it. I got it. It's greetings, not good no. evening. No, hey, you know what? I'm not a complete <laughs> rip-off Jake. Gotta, gotta do our own thing, okay? Okay, so BT says, It's a shame that most of you are watching this before Doctor Who and the Silurians, since the Sea Devils is far more interesting, in my opinion, when you've already seen that story. It's written by the same guy, Malcolm Hulk, but you can feel how the Puri era has settled into a very different rhythm by this point. While Hulk Silurians are fully realized non-human characters, ones that we can mourn when they're defeated in the most depressing ending in Classic Who's Run, the Sea Devils are little more than aquatic B-movie monsters. 
There are some gestures towards the more complex moral dilemmas Hulk likes to set up, especially in the debate between the Master and the Doctor, but they're buried under the pertwee of it all. With enough Royal Navy-sponsored chases and fight scenes to keep the kids engaged, the ending is bizarre when you consider the ending of the Silurians, since this directly follows... or new sentence. Since this directly follows Curse of Peladon, my personal favorite story of Season 10, Sea Devils comes off as a bit of a letdown. It's fun monster movie schlock, but not much more, which is unfortunate since I'm usually all about Hulk's scripts. So there you go. That is uh, that is interesting. Like the, the doctor's just like, well, there's nothing I can do except save the humans by committing genocide. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's just crazy. That's something for you guys to look forward to. You know, if you guys liked this story for people that really like the third doctor era to be like this is one of the shittier ones (laughs) like there's so much around it that elevates this time and that we're kind of at this point on the downslope of that man that era cody can't get any more erect (laughs) if this is a bad one he's in i can always get more erect (laughs) it's true everyone knows that about him it's no secret. <laughs> hey, Cody. Hey, Jake. Who's your MVP? Okay, let me think about this name real quick so I get it right. <laughs> John Pertwee. <laughs> so close. That was decent. John, that was better. John Pertwee. It was, was he, didn't, he didn't say it any differently than when you yelled at him. <laughs> and you're like, oh, that was, that was decent. <laughs> they just let me have it, man. It's part of the gig. <laughs> Sam, how about you? Uh, Katie Manning. What? Yes. Nice. She was She was good. Terry? I am also going with Katie Manning. Yes. What? She was good. She has a great <laughs> last name. Jill? Uh, I've already forgotten the name of the master because I've been too busy thinking about Pertwee. Roger Delgado. <laughs> that one. Uh, I'm going to piggyback on Jill and say Roger Delgado also. Although, want to give a big shout out to June Murphy, who played uh, Officer Blythe, the only other woman in this story. Don't, we don't get a lot of women in these stories. <laughs> and it's just, just nice to have one that isn't uh, completely just the person who makes coffee, although she does very often <laughs> go and get the sandwiches. <laughs> I do want to add that after, like, the first little scene with the master, I looked at Alex and I'm like, is he the best master? And Alex's like, uh... <laughs> after one scene? Yeah, probably. And I'm like, okay, good. Like, you nice. just know. He just owns it. He dominates the scene. He's so good. He created it. He's the... He's the fucking, uh... Blueprint. Alex? The Dell got it on. Like, he's so good. Uh, I do want a special shout out uh, to the director or maybe the camera guy, because there were some shots where they were clearly in a boat and it was swaying a lot. And it was just it was cool. <laughs> like all the outdoor shots were really good. So I'm really surprised that Alex <laughs> hasn't talked about that yet, because uh, he couldn't stop going nuts about where the director was or where the like, camera was. They were really on a boat. That's not yeah. the director's like it's you know it's not but his they made like, it, idea no they made it look good like it could have looked way worse than what it did i did think it was stock footage yeah jill's like where'd they get all the stock footage like that's 
that's uh fucking Manning climbing the side of yeah. a ship right now. Like which is so that's weird, real. Like in the in the first or second episode, she climbs up onto a dock from a boat, and that's a stunt man in a wig. It's it's literally a man. But then she climbs onto a boat from another boat on a rope ladder, and they're like, Oh, she can do this. Yeah. So what why is this the one that's okay? Are they just pump- pumping a ton of money into set or what? Like, can't be cheap to just get a boat. There's in the a lot more of- location shooting in the seventies. Okay. This is the last story where they have this stunt team called Havoc that, for three plus years, is working on Doctor Who and is just soldiers to be shot and fall off things. Uh, but they, like they they just have this style of tv show and because it's set on earth they're saving money on sets and other other things and then because of their relationship with the military they're getting a lot of stuff for free and a lot of access to things because the military is kind of like hey look at this cool stuff we have like there it's a recruitment tool like top gun I think Air Force recruitment went up like 400% after Top Gun aired in the 80s. Oh, it made it look so goddamn fun. <laughs> yeah. You just play volleyball and fly planes and yell at your commanding officer. What was the what was the most recent movie that did that? Like American Sniper? Like I remember a bunch of people after <laughs> watching that were like, "I'm going to go be a sniper." Yeah, maybe yeah, that was after Hurt Locker. But yeah, I would bet it was those and then the new, I mean the amount of access they got from the Air Force for the new Top Gun that was supposed to come out <laughs> three years ago. <laughs> when, when that finally comes out, they'll <laughs> probably get another bump. I don't know. The military doesn't have a lot of money right now. Well, they already made the movie. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do we, Is that all the stuff we do? That's all yeah. I got for you. Don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> so, guys, we watched this. We we never talked about this when we started the podcast. We watched this story because Jody's second to last episode is coming up, and it's a Sea Devil story. So I wanted to introduce you guys to the Sea Devils before we do that. But that's what our next podcast is. It airs this coming Sunday. We will podcast about it two weeks from today. And then after that, we'll be back to our regularly scheduled First Doctor bullshit. Assuming uh, Cody doesn't mutiny between now and then. <laughs> but I, he'll have had a month off, but the one we're going to watch oh, next no. is the worst one. Oh, no. <laughs> it's so hard. I watched it recently. Six it's six. I I watched it recently because I was going to listen to another podcast about it, and I don't remember anything that happened. Like I watched it a month ago and couldn't tell you a single thing about it. We have a pretty decent pattern now. That's like sustainable. It's still miserable sometimes, but it's sustainable. But it's about to get like it does improve in quality. We just Uh kind of have to get through there. Um, Yeah, when Pertwee takes over. (laughs) Next time we get to talk about Jodie Whittaker, so that's a thing. Uh, real quick, you can cut this out if you want, but, um, are you sure you don't want to do the podcast next Wednesday since we're watching it Sunday? 
yeah, I don't really give a shit. Okay. I, we don't need we don't need to interrupt our lives to get that out faster. I just didn't know if we were trying to like hit a within the week of the episode no. dropping. A, a uh, while back, a while back, I would have had that mentality, but I'm over it. Are right. you trying to play D and D? We're playing D and D every other Wednesday. <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, do the song, I guess. This has been Married to Who, our episode on the Sea Devils. If you would like to participate in our podcast, you do so by following us on Twitter, Married to Who Pod. I'm after myself, Jake, Cody Sam, Jill Alex, our producer Terry. Thank you so much for listening. Please join us next time for Legend of the Sea Devils, I think it's called. We'll find out. The Jody one. Peace. That was so cool. That was so cool.